Hi, I'm Eric Gurna of Development Without Limits, and this is Please Speak Freely, the podcast where we have honest conversations about youth development and education. a special episode of Please Speak Freely. We've recorded this episode live from the Bridge Conference in Seattle, Washington, October 17th and 18th. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different this time. Uh, we, Instead of just sitting down with one person to have an extended conversation, as I usually do on Please Speak Freely, this time I, I sort of took some of the couple of quick excerpts from keynote speeches from the conference. I interviewed people who participated in the conference. And I sat down with Zach Wilson, who is uh, the the designer and and leader of this conference, uh, to talk about what makes this professional learning event special, um, to share some of the the views and perspectives that were highlighted in the conference, and to really document the the great conversations that were happening. So uh, in a minute, you're going to hear a couple of quick excerpts from the keynote speeches by Karen Pittman, previous guest on Please Speak Freely, who is the president and CEO of the Forum for Youth Investment, and from Dr. Sean Ginwright, who is a professor at San Francisco State University and a youth development expert who has dedicated a lot of his work to addressing social justice and uh, social and racial equity, which was the theme of this conference this year. Um, So you'll hear a little bit about what both of them had to say, You'll hear from some of the participants in the conference, and then I'll sit down with Zach Wilson, and we'll have a little chat. I hope you enjoy it. As I was flying out here on the airplane, I was thinking about bridges, because I'm coming to a bridging conference. And I started thinking, what's the difference between bridges and tunnels? So for building bridges, and usually you see bridges built over water, where it's very expensive to build tunnels. But what are the advantages of building bridges otherwise? And as I was thinking about it, and it could have just been that I was up at 30,000 feet, as I was thinking about it, what hit me was when I go across a bridge, I can actually see where I'm coming from and I can see where I'm going and I can pause in the middle and get a very unique perspective about what it looks like to be on both sides. And I think the analogy of bridges is so important, not just because we're building bridges between systems, but because we are building bridges for young people to make sure that they can stop in that space between academic and vocational competence and managing risky behaviors and circumstances and look back and forth. And too often, with too many of our young people, if we are not building the bridges that allow them to build those social skills, those interpersonal skills, those problem-solving skills, to have that sense of purpose, to have that sense of self-efficacy, they are going to bounce back between two demands that feel very impossible for them to do. And if all we do is build tunnels between formal systems, you're in the education system, nope, sorry, you got kicked out, you got suspended, we're moving you over into another system, your time is up there, we're moving you back into a system, The tunnel approach doesn't work. 
I actually like the bridge analogy because I think we need to be building bridges where young people can stand and see where they're coming from and see where they're going with the kind of clarity that you can only get when you're sort of up above things. And that's really important for all young people. I think it's especially important um, for a conference in which we're talking about social equity and we're talking about racial equity and we're talking about inequity in general because we have some young people who regularly travel across bridges and we have some young people who are transported back and forth between tunnels. If we're going to change outcomes for children and youth, and we call that the big gear, if we're going to move outcomes for children and youth so that it's not four out of ten are doing well, it's not, you know, we're applauding those young people who have beat the odds, we're actually helping young people change the odds, then we have to do a better job of linking and aligning and improving the supports that we provide to young people in their families, in their neighborhoods, in their communities, and in their schools. And that's who we have sitting here in the room. And increasingly, the only way we can do that is to take shared accountability as leaders. Not just when we want to, but to really build a structure that really holds us collectively accountable for moving those other two gears. How is it that we foster hope? We all have hopes for our children, just like I have hopes for my son and the children that I work with. How is it that imagination can lend itself to transforming the conditions in, in urban communities? And how do we understand this healing process so that people can then engage in social justice work from a place of wellness? So I present these questions about the role of hope and imagination in healing for youth work and urban educators, and how can youth workers and educators foster environments and relationships that bring forth hope? And how can the hopes and aspirations and imaginations and dreams that young people hold for themselves contribute to more robust civic life? And so this is not simply about creating pathways and opportunities. While those are significant and important, we also have to understand that the consequence of oppression has had a toxic impact on people's capacity to dream. It's had a toxic impact on the capacity of people to hope. And when we look back at, at social justice movements around the country and around the world, we also know and can pay attention to the, the, the critical factor that sparked social change wasn't a policy, wasn't simply a program, but it was the dreams and imaginations of people. And so we're going to pay attention to how organizations, policies, and practices can foster this in young people. We need to begin to push ourselves to think about practices that address issues around social justice. That we cannot focus only on the policy and systemic issues, but we also have to focus on these issues that are deeply embedded in our spirits, our souls, and our minds, and our bodies. And that when we're able to sort of navigate between the policy issues, social justice issues, and the ways in which those issues are embedded in our own lives, then we have a much more powerful way to speak to policy, to create programs, and to create practices. I think, as I end, Dr. King knew these issues really well. And he says that one of the greatest problems of history is that the concepts of love and power usually have been contrasted as opposites. And what is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive, and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. 
Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. And justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands against love. Thank you very much. It's, it's a good reminder, uh, some of the sessions that are, I just came from the, the equity work uh, session, and I thought that was a very productive session. But it's a good reminder to bring up some of these conversations that I feel like are not happening as much as they need to be. And it's something that um, I would like to, you know, bring back to my department, you know, as just kind of a, are we having these conversations? And if we're not, um, you know, how can we start to have these conversations? Because I feel like things around equity, things around, you know, race, things around privilege and power, uh, uh, especially as, as our communities are becoming more diverse, um, they, they need to be talked about. Now I'm motivated to to be the mobilizer for a coalition of coalitions and engaging other leaders to care about moving the needle on these larger youth development outcomes. I'm with the Florida After School Network, and uh, what I, I, this has been a fantastic conference. And what I've learned, this with this last presenter, in terms of, of what I don't know in terms of STEM, I, I'm going to go back and just really get into STEM and see how we can input STEM you know, throughout after-school programs throughout Florida and, and learn more about it. It's been this fantastic learning experience for me. I think in working with ELL students, I think it's necessary to change the language and just how we address the problems. For example, earlier today I heard uh, using the words or the phrase uh, um, opportunity gap instead of achievement gap. And I think that's really important because achievement gap puts the burden on the student, whereas Opportunity Gap puts the burden on the adults. And that's where it should be, because we, the adults, are teaching the kids, and we, the adults, are, should be held more responsible for what we're doing or not doing as teachers, as, as administrators, as you know, policymakers, writers, researchers, etc. When I'm sitting in these, in these workshops, my, the wheels in my head are just turning. I can do this, I can do that. So um, I'm just excited to get back, look over all my material, look at my program, and figure out really how I can implement everything I've learned in order to make my program better. This is my third bridge conference. And what I want to say is, Zach, you have outdone yourself. This is by far the best. I'm thrilled. Today has gone by so fast. Because all of the sessions have been so good. I've been completely engaged in every single one of them. So I'm, I'm here at the Sheraton Hotel in Seattle, Washington, mm-hmm. on the 31st floor with a beautiful view of downtown Seattle. And yeah. if you look, if you kind of crane your neck, you can see Puget Sound <laughs> a little bit, um, with Zach Wilson, who whose title is Educational Services Director for Schools at Washington, but who is better known as, uh, shall we say, the maestro of the, <laughs> the Bridge Conference. Um, and, you know, we've been, the Bridge Conference has uh, sponsored the first few episodes of Please Speak Freely and, and in many ways really got it off the ground. And I've been here for the last couple of days uh, presenting and interviewing people for Please Speak Freely and generally sort of enjoying the Bridge Conference mm. and um, was looking forward to the opportunity to sit down, to sit down with you, Zach. Um, so welcome to Please Speak Freely. Oh, this is too cool. Yeah. It's surreal, man. We're, we are on the top of the city. Yeah. 
I feel like, like a, we're it's on top of the world. Yeah, it's a dream. It's and kinda, uh, yeah. so, you know, I've been I've been looking forward to talking to you about the Bridge Conference because we've been talking about it. You and I have obviously been working on it. Um, you know, I've, I've sort of supported the your your efforts in in small ways over the last couple of years, and you have really dedicated a, a, lar- a large part of your life to this mm-hmm. um, this professional de- development experience. Um, and you you just completed literally just completed the um, it was the ninth bridge conference yep. your number I mean, six your sixth mm-hmm. and really a monumental one in many ways because the conference moved from Vancouver Washington which is sort of like a suburb of Portland Oregon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to Seattle Washington mm-hmm. where it became a bigger conference broke your records of how many people yeah. attended had people from 20-something states. Yeah, 21 in 21 terms of states. attendees, yeah. Um, and it, it's really become more of a, a regional conference, and mm-hmm. and in my experience nationally, it's also become a model for the kind of quality that we can see in conferences in out-of-school time and, and education in general. Thank you. Um, and so, you know, I was eager to talk to you about how, how you've made that happen. Um, and this is kind of a funny time to have this interview because you must be exhausted. Yeah, um, for the last few days <laughs> and, and the it's last all, few months. Yeah, it'll all be on tape. No, that's okay. I'm in a good place. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, good. Yeah. So you know, I've been asking people who have, who've been presenting and attending here over the last couple of days um, what they are taking away from this experience, mm-hmm. and we'll hear those voices a little bit in this episode. That's cool. Um, and. I want to sort of back up and, and ask you as the designer of all this, and I know you have a lot of people on your team mm-hmm. and you've engaged Definitely. a lot of people mm-hmm. to work with you, but mm-hmm. um, you're sort of the director of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what's, your, what's your vision for the Bridge Conference? What's your goal for the Bridge Conference? What do you want it to be? Well, in a lot of ways, I think this year we've reached that goal in uh, – You know, I was talking to you earlier, you know, for me, in terms of what kind of like drew me to this was from, you know, when I first saw the Bridge Conference, I was in a direct service role. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were, at the time, the Seattle Public Schools had just started what was called at the time an alignment initiative. And this was requiring the principals to have a working agreement with any on-site provider. And the reason I mention that is... I started like seeing a whole new value in like how we could strengthen and build the partnerships with the school we were working within. And then I go to this conference, this bridge conference, and I'm like seeing like a, a whole bigger opportunity. Like I'm seeing it in my own community in terms of how the kids were benefiting. And then I'm going to what for me was the first time that I felt part of a profession, felt part of like a movement. And it was pretty like small at the time. But yet I was drawn to it, and I kind of I, I felt a sense. And like when I was approached, kind of with the opportunity of having th- kind of this charge, if you will, of like mm-hmm. recruiting folks from across the country to come out and explore like the value of these partnerships and like what was relevant in the context of these partnerships. Mm-hmm. You know, in some ways, I was t- talking to you earlier on our walk around downtown. You know, um, I saw. Uh, a huge value. It was really hard for me to leave that direct service, but I saw an opportunity for reach with this conference. And mm-hmm. and the, you asked me, you know, like, you know, what's the goal? You know, I think one of the things that we're really excited about this year was just the fact that we, this is always about, this is the bridge from school to after school and back. And we drew mm-hmm. a lot of formal educators this year. 
So that's been like an ongoing, and that's, you know, from everything from classroom teachers to on up to the state education agency was really engaged, OSPI, the Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction for Washington was all in the building, several different roles, you know, I think, and that's really, you know, so I think what's cool and like a goal of this conference we were talking about at the advisory committee too is like how you bring together all levels, so from folks providing the direct services to folks at a systems level within those two entities, if you will, the, the mm-hmm. K-12 education system, and then all the amazing work that we know as a field and after school and community-based organizations. It was tough to leave the direct service, but I believed in the reach and like the value of those partnerships. And, and from the experience with the alignment initiative and seeing it firsthand on like a, a site level, mm-hmm. and I was also like a trainer at the time that this hit. So I'm like right. working these other programs, like realizing again, no, there's huge opportunity. If, 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 and then, you know, what's cool about it, even as we heard with, with Karen Pittman today, the Bridge Conference has even gone beyond those two systems. Like, we're really looking at, like, the whole shabam, if you will, in terms of what youth need to succeed. So f- for me, what was really valuable about it is that it takes seriously the approach that, that I hold myself, mm-hmm. which is that the learning experiences that we as adults have in terms of professional development Mm -hmm. should mirror and model the kinds of learning experiences we're trying to create for young people. I love that about you. Yeah, I love that connection. You're always making, I love that. Yeah, and that's Mm -hmm. like, that's a real, like that's, at the fundamentally, if it's it's not doing that to me, then we're missing the mark, which is why I don't think we should be just doing straight PowerPoint presentations for hours and all that stuff because we don't want that in our programs. Now, the... I, I sort of grant in my mind. I grant some exceptions and some leeway there sure. because there there are things there, there's there's important information that we may need to be presented with yes. at times that mm-hmm. you know for whatever reason because of efficiency of time you know we don't have a lot of time or whatever um, that we we move away from that. But for the most part, especially when we're working with um, practitioners who work directly with young people people who supervise people who are directly work directly with mm-hmm. young people. Mm-hmm. I really think we we do need to mirror and model yeah. the kinds of experiences we're asking them to create yeah. because otherwise where where can we stand in asking them to create those experiences? Right. It's like it's like I always think of it like um, if you do a, a lecture on the value of experiential education. It's kind of missing the point, sure. right? Sure, yeah. And Definitely. the Bridge Conference takes that to the to the conference format, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it one of the ways that it does that you talked about crafting mm-hmm. the the conference I, I think that there's a there's a point even before that the crafting is the means by which it happens yeah but before that you have to have the intent to make mm. that happen mm. and to, to make sure that it has like a real warm and positive spirit yeah. that there's a lot of heart mm-hmm. in, in, in the experience right. um, and that's something that that I value, but I also think that that's something that's effective. Mm-hmm. That that's something that mm-hmm. helps people come away with greater strategies yeah. and and just overall sort of get, having you know more outcomes from from the experience of the conference. Um, I'm wondering how if that was an intentional framework that you brought into it. If it mm. was something that you kind of brought into it naturally. Mm. Uh, and if it's been any kind of struggle to to continue to innovate in that way. Hmm. 
there's definitely, I'd say it's a little bit of both in terms of intentionality and just values. And, you know, it's so cool. I've always appreciated how you draw those parallels and like how things translate from the experiences we provide to youth and just being authentic in terms of how we talk about and and, and help the professionals who are, who are carrying out those services. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one, I love this question because I think it hits on for me. I think some of it, again, I, I don't know that we'll find an answer on this this interview. It is something deeper. It's something like a value. It's like when you start talking about heart and like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an undescribable commitment or like, and again, I think that comes from the experience of providing services to youth and seeing that and understanding the value of that. And then being exposed to like these systems. And I think a lot of that then is like where you carry those values and turn that into a different kind of intentionality. And it has to be somewhat like organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going into on the note of like something before the aspect of crafting it, there's definitely something there. And I think one is not to necessarily like tease it out and like fully understand what it is but it's like your gut it's like you know it's like letting that be the 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 purpose the the, going back to like again like what drew me you know it's like those those initial moments when I first started working with youth and seeing the impact I was having Mm -hmm. you know so it's like that gut like you know that's something true and authentic and again, being exposed to kind of this concept of the bridge conference, that created a different kind of like intentionality and like opportunity for me to think about how do you translate from the services that youth receive to then those providing and supporting those who are providing those services. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's a great question. And yeah. Well, I mean, for for me also, it's like the it's not so much thinking about it in terms of services that are provided or services that are received, but it's more about how do we create uh, environments that are, are creative and dynamic learning environments. Yes, yeah, right. And, and to me, that's what, mm-hmm. that's what you're crafting more than anything. Is you're, not, you're not providing people who come to the Bridge Conference with a service. You're creating learning environments mm-hmm. in which they can then Engage and mm-hmm. they can get as much out of it as they put into it. Yeah. And there are some people who get more or less out of it. Yeah. Um, and it, so it's it's the that framework um, I think is is what's valuable. And and also it's the crafting of it has to do with selecting speakers and uh, designing the sort of format and the, the length of the sessions and what mm-hmm. kinds of sessions and all that mm-hmm. in a way that responds to people's needs right? and in, in, a, in a human sort of way. Right. So I was talking earlier with someone about the fact that while there were a few keynote speakers and we'll hear from them a little bit in this episode, mm-hmm. hopefully um, we'll, we'll hear from Karen Pittman yeah. and uh, we'll hear from <laughs> Sean Jenright. Did I say his name right? Yeah. Jenright. He yeah. tore it Sean down. Jenright. Standing ovation. Which is, is awesome, and yeah. choosing those speakers who can bring that sort of um, those messages and that content, um, and doing that in a way. In a, well, what I was starting to get at was, while we hear from those plenary speakers, and that usually does happen around mealtimes because that's <laughs> whenever you could bring everybody together. 
we don't. We also don't overprogram it <laughs> so that everybody's like eating and trying to listen at the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and for me, that's like a, kind of a pet peeve because yeah, I, I feel like I'm made to be rude when I'm sitting there like eating my lunch and someone's trying to talk to me. <laughs> I feel rude, but at the same time, I need to eat. Right. So, and I'm being put in a situation where I don't want to be rude. Right. I want to be gracious, but right. I'm not being allowed to be. Right. And that is no small thing because that to me mm. is also a direct mirror mm. of the kind of experience that young people have a lot. They're yeah. put in a situation where yeah. they're they're made to be less than they're, they're made to act less than they're they'd like to act or less mm. than ideal and they wouldn't do that if the situation were different. Yeah. Um, and so when you give people enough time to eat, when you give people enough time to connect and socialize mm. Uh, just by building the schedule that way, it's creating a, a human kind of environment, mm-hmm. and not a dehumanizing environment right. the way that some learning communities or some learning environments can be set up, but a, but a human kind of environment. Right. Um, and I, those are those are um, specific choices that that you're making mm-hmm. as you design this. And it's mm-hmm. maybe it's kind of geeking out a little bit too much to talk about. Well, do we do like <laughs> a you know hour long lunch or an hour and a half long lunch? But these things actually matter in the oh, experience yeah, that people as have. As we heard, yeah. And, yeah. and we have you know there are, <laughs> there are other conferences which I have presented at or participated in where over the years I know a lot of people who don't go back, don't mm-hmm. continue to go back to certain mm-hmm. conferences because they feel like they're just they're just not treated that well mm-hmm. or it just feels like a sort of a cold situation or it's disorganized mm-hmm. um, and the bridge conference has continued to grow mm-hmm. bringing new people in and, mm-hmm. and things like that even in you know the economically yeah. tough times that we're having mm-hmm. another thing that i think naturally like takes it beyond the two days is the level of engagement we create with presenters before the fact like mm-hmm. you, you you get you get in these conversations of thinking really outside of your typical RFP, if you will, you know, like if I'm in a conversation with you and we're thinking like, okay, like podcast, perfect example Mm -hmm. of like, what, what can we think about innovatively, like to go beyond, you know, these, this two day experience. And I think, so Pathway to Excellence, the podcast is a great example. It's like taking good initiatives or good work that's already happening and exposing folks to that. Like Karen Pittman and the Ready by 21 initiative, it's something that's in place. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not just two days, you know, this right. is something that's deep and just like really makes a whole lot of sense, you know, in terms of the big picture approach that the Forum for Youth Investment takes and exposing people to that. But then going back to like what you were saying in an authentic way, like if I just brought Karen down and, you know, didn't, what wasn't mindful about like, for instance, like, you know, whether it's silverware clanging or whatever at a mm-hmm. keynote where like you were saying, you just like in a weird place of like how you, you wouldn't receive that. Mm-hmm. The, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't hear the depth and mm-hmm. the the meaning of an initiative like that. So I think there's like, and it's endless. You know, like I'm thinking, my wheels are constantly spinning around that that very question because it's not it's not about a two day experience. That's not why I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here because I believe in the reach factor. Like I was talking to you about earlier, it comes with knowing the value, having experienced it yourself, and then like thinking creatively, being willing to take risks to like look at how you provide that for other people mm-hmm. and you know then you got to be open you know it's like you know it's tough for people you know like you know it's like I, I i hate that guy factor about this but it's not about me it's not about like you know you hate that what that guy factor you know that oh that's that guy you know okay. you know you know because it's like i'm not drawn to this job because of the spotlight factor i'm not okay 
drawn to it because I get a gold pin on my suit. You do you have know? a gold pin. On your I do collar, have a gold pin on my collar because I had to go down and let. So. <laughs> but that's not what brings. I mean, sure, that's that, that's kind of cool, right. you know, like awesome. yeah. <laughs> but but, uh, but yeah, yeah, but so but again, it's like it's like what you're saying. It's like it's there's something about just staying true to what you know works. And like, oh, and going back to like the whole ego thing, and it's like you gotta be open for feedback. Like, you know, I've put myself out there mm-hmm. to some of the most amazing people, and some of those conversations I've been in have been really sticky, you know. And it's mm-hmm. like, and that's okay. Like, I more I'm trying to open myself out in this role, mm-hmm. um, or open myself up in this role to to you know, again, it was so cool to like be able to like, okay, who across the country. You know, it's doing really cool stuff. I get to call you and see if you want to come be a part of something special, you know. So that to me, and even though that's cool, you know, and fun, it's not, it's way beyond those, you know, exchanges of like what that means to me personally. You know, I really believe that, yeah, we're talking about something really special in terms of, the opportunity with something like something you know something like just like a life-changing experience you know that's what I aspire to I think mm-hmm. I think you know again I've had those moments like I was sharing with you like when somebody comes from you you know has invested all kinds of time and resources to come out and experience like something like this and you know I'll, I'll never forget I think it was my second or third year a gentleman from Pittsburgh I don't know how the heck he heard about it and it was an elderly African American man um, that came up to me and just told me that what I was doing was something really special. Like mm-hmm. that to me was like, you know, it's like that's why I started to be like, wow, like believing even more in the reach factor mm-hmm. of like what this means to people. And I, it goes back to what you're saying. I, I'm new to some of this, and, tr- and then I started learning pretty quick and seeing some of the other experience and professional. But I kind of went into it not having been to other. Right. You know, it's like I didn't have that reference point, but in a lot of ways, probably good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I would have, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't have that lens coming into it. I was more coming from a direct service, you know, quality, like engaging, like, you know, like this is, this is, this is building community feel into this setting. You know, I didn't, you know, it's like I didn't, you know, I hadn't ever been to. That's real. That's an interesting point because I, I, something I've been thinking about lately is, uh, that when we approach something uh, and we think we know what it is mm. and we go into it, oh, I, I think I, you know, I, I know what this is and mm. we approach it that way, that there, we often miss a lot. Mm. And I've been, I've been in a situation recently where I'm having, having to explicitly ask people who I'm working with, I want, you, I want to ask you to look at this like you might not know what it is. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's something new even if it looks familiar. Mm-hmm. Because when we go into it like we think we know, we, you know, if, if you, what is the expression? If you're, if if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. And so when you came into mm-hmm. it, like you didn't have this experience. Like, well, I know what a conference is, right. so I know how to make a conference. Right. You didn't have to unlearn Mm-mm. all that stuff. Right. And, you know, you could just come into it like, I know what a sort of humane, creative learning environment feels like mm-hmm. from direct service, right. or from your own experience mm-hmm. as a student, maybe, or mm-hmm. from from whatever experiences that led you to that. 
and then you want to create that at a different scale. Right. And I had that on-site training experience, too, which I think was huge because it was mm-hmm. like a customized – there were certain values. Like, you don't walk into that program assuming you know what's best. Right. You walk into that program, like, ready to learn and grow with that program. Yeah. That was my really only point of reference coming yeah. into this. And I think that's cool because then you start customizing – to an endless like group of leaders committed to serving youth. Right. That's where it's like kind of, you know, raw and organic and fun and cool and well, Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I never really thought about it until this conversation the whole I, you know, didn't have that reference point of right. other after-school <clears throat> conferences. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not where I came into this, you yeah. know, at all, yeah. you know. So Yeah, yeah well, I mean, to me it's, it, that's a set of values that, that you bring to it is when you say, you know, you don't go into a place like you know everything. But um, mm-hmm. I think some people feel like they do need to go in as the expert right. who bring, who's bringing this and knows what to do. And, um, and you can have some success with that approach in terms of getting people to play that game with you mm-hmm. and say, oh, you're the expert, right. teach me. And you're saying, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm the expert, I'm going to teach you. And we can, we can fall into those roles. Yeah. And it can feel a little bit, I think, um, untethered and maybe like unsure when you come into it like I don't really know but mm-hmm. let's figure this out yeah. together and then someone has to say well wait a minute well who knows wait do I know right. some stuff and do you, is there stuff that you do know can we right. connect yeah. and figure this out and what does it mean to figure it out together uh, and to me that's the kind of learning experience where, where we should be creating for young people if there's one thing I've grown in my expertise what I like to kind of you know boast about if you will yeah. is seeing bullshit I oh. It's a podcast. It's a podcast? Okay, BS. I meant to say BS. Sorry, Mom. It's not rated. It took me a minute to kind of figure that out, but I think I've... It goes back to the authenticity. It's Mm -hmm. like I have a good sense of when something feels right and feels authentic, feels Mm -hmm. good, and, you know, know, people even have a little bit of humility to say, well, let's grapple with this. I don't know that I'm the expert, but let's let's talk about it. Mm Because, you know, often it's like I've, you know, I fell for, you know, quite a few sales pitches, if you will, in my time. In some cases, the further I get along that relationship path, I start to see the BS, you know, and it's like, wow. Had I known you were coming from that place, you know, but then it's like, but then it's like, but now I've like honed in on some of those things. And you can learn it quicker. Yeah, and then people, then the authenticity, it's like there's a gravitation towards that. You know, and again, that I'm not coming to this table as if I have this all figured out. You and I were talking about you know, as we try to grow, as we get older and we try to grow and stuff like that, trying to get closer to what we mean and deal less with the all the other stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that you've been able to do that um, with your work with the Bridge Conference and you've been able to create a, an experience where other people get to do that too. Yeah. And it reminds me, you know, of the, the, the notion of like when we, when we are willing to step up and sort of... Um, do something risky, we give other people permission to do the same. And then sometimes the best, I mean, I think the most creative, like, that's where creativity often, like, happens when you kind of, like, free yourself. Is like what we were talking about earlier, letting go of some of those things that we feel so bound by. Yeah, I think, you know, again, you just, you you come with a certain set of values and Mm -hmm. it just, you know, being... Being true to those, Zach. I, I want to thank you yeah. uh, for taking the time. At the uh, you, you must be exhausted. It's the end of uh, a very intensive process for you, and um, I want to want to thank you for for taking the time to talk to me on Please Speak Freely. More than that, I want to thank you for um, you know giving me the opportunity to be, to be a part of the Bridge Conference and 
for um, playing such a lead role in, in providing this experience to so many uh, youth workers and educators. Well, thank you, Eric, for just, yeah, everything you've done to help capture some of these conversations. It's been a motivation in terms of just grinding really hard to hit this conference and hear the few, first few episodes come up. It's just been fuel for not only me but our team just to because we all really hold your work in really high regard and uh, it's been super cool man just to have nice. everybody like oh did you hear the new episode the new episodes when's it <laughs> oh cool yeah so uh, no thank That's you cool. thanks yeah. thanks